get started this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the holy written word of God. Thank you for your love that you have poured out upon us. Thank you for loving us. And thank you, Lord, that you have shed your love abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost and given us the capacity to love as you love. And Lord, we just want to walk in that. We just want to live in that. And so we just give you the glory and the praise. We thank you for the word that it speaks to us today. It ministers to us. It brings light to our lives. And Lord, it gives us uh, uh, answers to situations, wisdom. We believe you, God, for an impartation of wisdom and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're believing for impartations of wisdom because the name of this class or this series that we're in is Wisdom for Women. It might be the name of it forever. Um, anyway, uh, in every week we're given a wisdom nugget. And uh, in class number one, the wisdom nugget was Call on Grace. And we got reminded that this throughout the week and every day we're to be calling on His grace. And I know last week we let y'all testify and all of y'all had, had been calling on the grace of God more. That we found out that there's grace available for us and that we can call on His grace and, and it will help us get the things done that we need to get done. Help us through difficult situations. And I know that this has been a time in our, my life that I've been having to rely on His grace. I think we always should have been. But I've been more consciously, let me say it that way, more consciously relying on His grace than ever before. And there's so much going on in the world. And if you, uh, you listen to any news, you realize that, that this is a time for grace. And this, uh, these, these, these holiday seasons that we're coming in on right now, I think it's going to be a time for us to call on His grace and rely on and rest in His grace and not get too stressed out about anything. Hallelujah. And so that's what we're going to do. And then number two, last week we talked about don't oppose the grace. Not opposing the grace of God. And one way we oppose the grace, not the only way, but one way is when we just start griping and complaining and, you know, bad-mouthing the situation and just having a negative outlook, then that grace is not going to be able to work in us like we want it to and work for us like we want it to. It, we're going to actually put a block up against the grace of God that we could have if we would just speak and say, like, I, I like that woman in the Bible, the Shunammite woman, she's called that when her, her son died and uh, she asked her husband, she was going to take her son that was dead to the prophet of God, Elijah, and she asked her husband to get her the mule or the donkey or whatever so that she could ride to the prophet. And her husband said, why are you going to see the prophet? And she said, all is well. She said, all is well. Well, she was not limiting the grace of God, was she? And then when she got to the prophet, the prophet uh, said to her, you know, he actually said, are you well? Are, are, is your husband well? Is your son well? He began to ask her all these questions. Uh, he actually asked him, are you whole? If you, and, and she said, and she said, all is well. All is well. And so he had to just, he knew she'd come for a reason. And she went with, he went with her. And then he went to her house and raised her son from the dead. Hallelujah. So we need to have, we need to not limit or put a block up for the grace of God. And then our wisdom nugget for today, and this is week three. Our wisdom nugget for today is slow down. Slow down. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, and uh, in the 1950s, 
cardiologists identified something they call the hurry up syndrome. Hurry up syndrome. Uh, in other words, they realized that people were being sick because, and they couldn't diagnose it with anything else except it was the hurry up syndrome. In other words, people were just hurrying too much. And I was thinking about that. If they were hurrying in the 1950s, you should see them today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because to me, when I look back on the 50s, I think of a, of course, I was born in 1953, so I actually remember the 50s. Some of you are too young to remember the 50s. But some of us remember the 50s. And I look back on that as a very low-key, slow uh, easy going time. Of course, I was just a child, but my memories of it were not too speedy. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, but the cardiologist had already identified that. Uh, never in the history of the human race have had have, have so many had so much to do in so little time. And doctors say that hurry sickness is rampant in our society. And if you think about it, you can just go out any day of the week and you can see hurry sickness all over uh, traffic. How people are hurrying in traffic uh, and we are very impatient with anybody that's not hurrying aren't we and then cell phones and computers and faxes although you know uh, my husband told me like, like faxes fax machines are obsolete nearly now in fact we ours went out our fax machine went out and he said oh no we're not going to replace that because everybody sends that by email attachment now you know, scans it, and I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I, I understood facts, but I don't understand email attachments all the time and how to get them, you know, going. But anyway, uh, so things are moving faster. Like, faxes aren't fast enough, so now we, we email. And um, remote controls, hurrying faster and using more time-saving devices than ever. That's what's happening. And But, you know, with all of this, hurry, 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 they uh, Christians that do like surveys and stuff, you know, like the Barner reports and stuff. They they survey Christians and stuff. With all this hurry up and with all these time-saving devices that we have, there's four things that they've identified that Christian women do not have time for. Most Christian women, and the number one thing is God. We, it's funny that we're Christians and we can get to the place where we don't have time for God. And, you know, by God, we mean prayer, church, Bible study, etc. You know, we can actually come to the point and say, I, I don't have time to pray or I don't have time to go to church. And we know that that could happen, that somebody could get so busy that they would think they didn't have time for those things, for Bible study, that we don't have time for it. Uh, and then the next thing, and this may amaze you, that they found that we do not have time for is eating. Because uh, it, it, it doesn't look like we don't have time for eating, but they actually found that, that we were hurrying faster to eat. We were hurrying up to eat, and that we were eating a lot more fast food, and that we were eating, even eating our fast food faster. You know, in other words, we don't just eat fast food, we gulp our fast food. And that um, even when we eat at home, we're eating fast meals. Like we use a lot more things like lean cuisine and things like that. We're fast, you know, put it in the microwave. And even myself, I have to admit that I, I have gone to semi-homemade. You know, the lady on TV, semi-homemade. 
everything at my house, even at Thanksgiving. We had our Thanksgiving dinner yesterday because Colin and Chris are going to be out of town on Thanksgiving Day. So we kind of had our little dinner yesterday and had planned for my dad to be here. He was going to be here on it, but he did not get to come. So we went ahead and had it, but it was semi-homemade. <laughs> so I'm even getting into the hurry up, going to have time to eat thing. And then the third thing that they found that we don't have time for is sex. Now, that's amazing uh, because with all the sexuality that we are bombarded with every day on TV, on billboards, on uh, in the even in the mall, you can't through, go, even walk through the mall without seeing things that try to... But they found that married couples, which were the people that are supposed to be having sex, were having less sex than they ever had because just no time. Just no time. Don't take hurry up syndrome. No time. And uh, so these images that are bombarding us, really the people they are affecting are the people that are not supposed to be having sex, which is 11-year-old kids and stuff like that, you know, and teenagers. <clears throat> and then the third, fourth thing that, that they found that we were having less and less time for was relating to our families. And, you know, uh, I think the devil would like to break down the family unit. And if we don't have time for these, for God, for eating, for sex, and for uh, relating to our families, then he's breaking down, he's working on us to break down the family unit. Now, let me read to you this little, I th you may have seen this, I, I don't know that I've seen this, but I've seen something like this go around on the internet. But I think it's, uh, it speaks something here, especially considering what we're studying about slow down. It says, Satan called a worldwide convention of demons, and in his opening address, he said, we can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from forming, an, forming intimate relationships with their Savior. Once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to their churches. Let them have their covered dish soap dinners, but steal their time so they don't have time to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do, said the devil. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining their, that vital connection throughout their day. How shall we do this, his demons shouted. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, 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 and borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade the wives to go to work for long hours and the husbands to work six to seven days each week, 10 to 12 hour days so they can afford their empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their families begin to fragment, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear that still small voice. Entice them to play the radio or cassette player whenever they drive and to keep the TV, VCR, CDs, and their PCs going constantly in their home. See to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-biblical music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill the coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with the news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail and mail order catalogs, sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter and promotional offer offering free products, services, and false hopes. Keep 
skinny, beautiful models on the magazines and TV so their husbands will believe that outward beauty is what's important and they'll become dissatisfied with their wives. Keep the wives too tired to love their husbands at night. Give them headaches too. If they don't give their husbands the love they need, they will begin to look elsewhere. That will fragment their families quickly. Give them Santa Claus to distract them from teaching their children the real meaning of Christmas. Give them an Easter bunny so they won't talk about his resurrection and power over sin and death. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect on God's creation. Send them to amusement parks, sporting events, plays, concerts, and movies. Instead, keep them busy, 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 and when they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave with troubled consciences. Crowd their lives with so many good causes they have no time to seek power from Jesus. Soon they will be working on their own strength, sacrificing their health and family for the good of the cause. It, it will work. It will work. It was quite a plan. The demons went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get more busy and more rushed, going here and there, having little time for God in their families, having no time to tell others about the power of Jesus to change lives. I guess the question is, has the devil been successful has, at, at his scheme? You be the judge. Does busy mean uh, an acronym, being under Satan's yoke? Does busy mean being under Satan's yoke? God has a better plan. Hallelujah. If you've ever, if you felt like the busy, stressed out, and overloaded hamster on a treadmill, it's time to enter into God's rest and tap into His grace for the peace. For in, tap into His grace for the pace. Hebrews four three says, "For we which have believed do enter into rest." And so. <clears throat> You know, uh, that's just kind of somebody made that up, of course. I guess you realize that. But it could be, you know, there's there's a lot of truth in it. That there's a lot of the busyness that we are having our lives just couldn't possibly be initiated by God. And, you know, and sometimes we don't realize that, you know, if it's not of God, it's, it, it's of Satan. And so um, let's look this morning. First of all, I want to look in Jeremiah 2.25. And I'm going to read this to you from the message translation. So you don't even have to turn to this first one if you don't want to. Because the message Bible is kind of out there. Anyway, it said, I mean, it won't look the same in your Bible. But it says, slow down. In Jeremiah 2.25, slow down. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods. I can't quit. So that was the message uh, translation of Jeremiah 2.25. And I'll read that again. Slow down. Take a deep breath. This is God talking. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But then they replied, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods. I can't quit. And so we need to think about some of the alien gods that, that the enemy tries to put in our path. And we're not advocating that we get rid of anything. But what we are advocating is that we be very keenly aware uh, of what the enemy will try to do to our families and that we have a balanced life that we put and that we not just have a balanced life but that we have a life of very strict priorities where we keep God first and then, and you know did you know it is a fight to keep God first even for us who are very very committed Christians it is a fight sometimes it is a fight for me on in the mornings to pray first and it uh, uh, and to seek God first and even sometimes when you get down to pray have you ever had to fight your mind to focus 
or you know just found your mind going in a different direction different many different directions with all the things that were trying to crowd in and make your mind busy and so it is a fight is a fight of faith to stay in, in priority. So alien gods in America, uh, sometimes sports can be that. Uh, we all love sports, all, and I'm sure all of you do. I know I do. But there is a balance to that. And a lot of, uh, one Christian woman that I was reading after, she said that a lot of Christians are sacrificing their kids on the altar of sports and that parents are actually running themselves ragged and they teach their kids to worship athletics instead of God. They don't mean to, but they so make it a priority and we teach them and it's okay to miss church. We teach them it's okay you know, for sports. It's okay for sports practices. And then when they get teenagers, and you know you've seen the studies and I have too, how that when kids leave home, something it's a tremendous amount of them. I don't know exactly what the statistics are, but something like 80% never go back to church. They leave church completely once they're out from underneath your care. And uh, this woman pointed out, and she's like, well, that moms are asking, why do they do this? And they, she says, you taught them to. You taught them by teaching them that other things were okay to make them more important than God. And then we could say that about golf. We could say it about sleeping. Certainly in Alabama, we could say it about hunting, uh, fishing. Uh, and we certainly know that TV could be an alien God. Uh, <clears throat> I was on the paper yesterday. I didn't read the article, but I just saw a headline where it said uh, people that uh, are depressed or not even the word depressed, but just uh, in a low mood, whatever, that they watch they watch tremendous amounts of TV. And so we realize we know from that that people are using TV as kind of a sedative uh, to just, you know, keep from dealing with the world, keep from dealing with their mood. Turn to Proverbs chapter 28. We're going to find out about hurry in Proverbs 28, 20, because our, our wisdom nugget for this morning was slow down. And uh, we're going to find that there's some things that the Bible says that we're to slow down and not hurry about. And then there's some things that the Bible says that we're to hurry about. And we need to find what we're supposed to be slowed down on and what we're supposed to be hurrying on. Okay, so Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So he basically tells us here, if you're in a hurry to get rich, you're going to mess up. He said you won't be innocent. In other words, you won't be able to keep your life pure. You won't be innocent before God is what he's talking about. You won't, you won't walk in that righteousness and that holiness because why? Because when you get in a hurry to get rich, you begin to compromise things. Whether it's even in, uh, you begin to steal. Some people compromise all the way to the point of stealing. But some people just compromise their values like in the sense of uh, skipping church and things like that because why? Because they're trying to get more money if I just work if I just stay late I can get this done it'll mean more money if I you know that customer I might lose that customer they might not I might not make this sale if I don't work tonight and so he that is in haste to be rich uh, uh, where, what was I? Verse 20, I lost my place. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. So he's telling us the opposite of hurrying to get rich is to just be faithful to God. And if we're faithful to God, we will abound with blessings. And you know, that's the slow road, being faithful to God. It takes time and it takes 
uh, commitment and it takes consistency because there's impossible to be faithful and not be consistent. So it takes consistency over several years sometimes, but a faithful man will abound with blessings. But he that gets in a hurry to get rich, it's going to end in disaster. Sometimes it ends in divorce because they've neglected their wife and family. Sometimes it ends in the fact that they lose their kids. Their kids, you know, they don't have a relationship with their children. Why? Because they got in a hurry uh, to get rich and to try to make money uh, too fast, working too many hours. And so the Bible says we're not to do that. We're to slow down. Amen. And so we know that that we know one thing we have to know is the Bible's always right. It's always true. And, you know, we can just look out. We don't even have to. We can prove this uh, even just by looking out. We know people that the husband worked too much or the wife got too involved and uh, and, and neglected the husband. I know in my even in my own family, uh, there was uh, one of the one of the spouses neglected the other spouse by just being busy with things that just by being busy with things. Sometimes it can just be self-made busyness. You know, we can't neglect our spouse just because we're busy even with uh, hobbies like sewing or, you know, things like that. We have to take the time to, to, to enjoy our spouse and do things that they like to do. Isaiah 28, verse 16. What does the Bible say about hurrying? That's what we're looking for today. Isaiah 28:16 says therefore thus saith the Lord God behold I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone a tried stone a precious cornerstone a sure foundation he that believeth shall not make haste now that's talking about Jesus that's a prophetic word about Jesus that he's laying in Zion a, a stone a precious cornerstone we know that's Jesus and he says and he that believeth shall not make haste or shall not get in a hurry. So when we truly believe God, whether it be for finances or what anything we're believing for, if we're really in faith, we won't be in a hurry. And we won't try to make things happen and get too fast and start moving past God because then we begin to have uh, disasters. Abraham got in a hurry for God's promise, started trying to make it come to pass on his own, and guess what he got? He got Ishmael. And Ishmael has been heartache from that day until now. Ishmael is the, uh, the uh, like Iran, Iraq, all of those nations that cause terrorism and have caused problems and have fought Israel, fought the Jews all these years, came from the lineage of Ishmael. So the Jews still got problems because Abraham got in too big a hurry. And I know that we can get Ishmaels in our lives. We can get husbands that weren't God's will. We can get, and of course they could get wives that weren't God's will. We can get businesses that weren't his will. We can get in too big a hurry. And all of us have had an Ishmael to some degree or another in our life. We may have, have you ever planned a party or something I have done this several times and I kick myself every time I do it even in the church I've done it where I'm like okay we're gonna have a Valentine party and then I'm just so stressed and so messed up over it and and I go and then I get to thinking did I ask the Lord if we were supposed to do this but no I just got in a big hurry and I just went ahead and just got it all because it sounded fun right there for that moment and then I realized I you know I this, this wasn't 
If I had listened to God, I probably wouldn't have done this. So we've all done it to some degree or another. But we need to slow down, take our time, because when we believe, we don't make haste, okay? Psalm 119, verse 60. Slow down in making decisions. One thing that Pastor and I realized a long time ago, and I'm not saying that we haven't violated this at times, because we have, but we always messed up when we did. But when we were very young Christians, first starting out in the ministry, we realized that when something is God, there's never pressure to make the decision because He always gives us plenty of time to make decisions. Because he knows our makeup. If he knows it's going to take us a year to make the decision, then he backs up a year and lets us know about it a year in advance so that we have time and we don't have that stress of, I've got to make a decision. I've got to decide today. And we learned that because of um, the Lord taught us that through salesmen. Because when you, if you ever had a salesman come to your door selling vacuum cleaners or something and they always have a sale and it's and, and when you say well yeah I really like this vacuum and I really do need a vacuum but we want to think about that they always say well yeah but this special goes off today that is such a lie you know it really is a lie they do that on purpose because they know that the the percentages are that if you'll buy right then that, that if you have, they ever leave, the percentage goes down on whether they ever make the sale. So they say, well, this sale goes off today. And so therefore, you're in a pressure situation to make the decision. And so Pastor and I got put in that situation several times with salesmen. So we made a decision that we're always going to tell them, well, we're going to think about this. We're going to let you know. We'll talk about it. Maybe we'll know tomorrow or the next day. And boy, they will just start panicking and this goes off tomorrow. And what we say to them is, well, if it goes off tomorrow, then that's fine. But we're still not going to decide, you know. And we found that a lot of times, even if we did go back later and decide, yeah, we're supposed to buy this vacuum. We need to. That you can come back two days later and say, well, this was the price. Now, I want that price now. And, you know, they want that sale two days later, too. And they'll get that price for you most of the time and there might be some exceptions to that concerning major retailers and stuff where they can't bend the price but you know most of the time that's not the case and so we learned that and we learned it the hard way I remember one time when we were first married pastor and I they the encyclopedia salesman came now we didn't even have a kid and so you know and they sell you encyclopedias that your children will use these and all this kind of stuff and neither one of us are going to college anymore he's farming but they talked us into a set of encyclopedias and so but then we realized we'd messed up so I remember pastor we remembered this sales lady telling us somewhere she was gonna go and of course in Seagraves this was a little town 2,500 people I mean you know we could have drove up and down the street and found her you know and uh, so my husband left left and he ran real quick to the little store he found her down at the little convenience store it was called the little store and um, he went to the convenience store and found her and they had that three days buyer remorse thing and we got out of the thing we didn't get our set of encyclopedias and you know that's a good thing because technology and stuff's moving so fast that by the time we didn't even have a child by the time we'd had Colin and he got old enough to read uh, those those encyclopedias would have been totally obsolete 
you know. And so what we did is, you know, it was amazing. And you did you know you can do things like this? But actually, when they got to be, my, our kids got to be, when Colin got to be about an eighth grader and really needed a set of encyclopedias, we just called up and found a salesman and said, come to our house and sell us a set of encyclopedias. And you know they will do that. And so you don't have to be pressured. And we bought our, and we still have that set of encyclopedias, even though they are obsolete. But, you know, we still look stuff up in those. It was a good purchase. You know, you have to look stuff up that happened 20 years ago. You can't look up stuff that happened yesterday. But anyway, so 119 verse 60. It says, I made haste and delayed not to keep my commandments. And so we find something here that we are to hurry for. He said, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. So we are to hurry when it comes to keeping the commandments of God. So in a lot of things, we're not supposed to hurry. But when it comes to keeping God's commandments, we are to hurry, hurry, hurry and keep his commandments. So we're to hurry to get to church. We're to hurry to tithe. We're to hurry to keep all his commandments. Get in a hurry about those things, but don't get in a hurry about getting rich and don't get in a hurry about... Uh, a lot of these worldly things that we hurry about. Amen? We can slow down driving. You know, they've proven, my husband, you know, sometimes somebody will, he, he study he reads stuff like this, but somebody will pass us and, you know, they're going 75 and we're going 60 or something. And they'll pass us and he'll say, you know, they've proven that he'll only get there something like 45 seconds faster or something. And so sometimes we're hurrying, 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 and endangering people's lives, endangering our own lives, and yet we are only really going to get there 45 seconds quicker. Or did you ever have somebody just pass you, and I probably pass people this way, and just pass you and just get out of the way, and then you get at the light, you hit a light, and then they pull up to the light right beside you real slow, and you go, hmm, all that fretting. All that stress, and we're here sitting at the same light at the same time, you know. And you, and you, and that checks you, and you go, you know, this is ridiculous. We got, I got to slow down. Amen. You know, because sometimes we think if we're late, that hurrying will make us not late. But you know what? If you're late, you're already late. And hurrying won't make you not late. Because if you're already five minutes late, what does difference does it make if you're six minutes late? Because you're already late. And so we're trying to fix it with the wrong thing. What we need to do is get up in the morning and say, I'm not going to mess with all this stuff because I'm hurrying to keep God's commands. Amen. Turn to Luke 19 verse 5. So all of us have some slowing down to do. Somebody, some people say it this way, you know, that we're to take time to smell the roses and things like that. And you know, there's some truth in that because um, we need to enjoy the, uh, the day we're in. We need to enjoy the hour we're in. And I was actually uh, reading about uh, an author and she said, uh, she said, uh, a lot of people do this, like they will plan and plan and plan and work and work and work and plan and plan and plan for a big wedding and then don't really enjoy the wedding. You know, and, and how many brides have just, well, they actually make 
movie uh, shows about this on TLC and stuff. You know, Bridezilla. I had never watched that, but I figure it's about the grippy bride, the mad bride, the <laughs> infuriated bride. You know, there's nothing that kind of takes away from love like the bride being just so mad at everybody by the time she gets you know you just don't know if you'd want to be on that honeymoon if she's already bridezilla you know and uh but we've got to enjoy those special occasions we've got to you know what's the point if we're not going to enjoy it i mean why would we do that for everybody else because you know the truth is we're the ones that are supposed to enjoy it and get meaningful meaning out of the ceremony because if we're really honest how many of you just love to go to somebody else's wedding that's not your you you we don't even want to go to the wedding we do out of honor but we really don't you know unless we're the mother of the bride then we want to go you know because it's our little girl but all those guests out there they're coming out of honor and just because they love you and but if they had if they had their way would they spend their day at the wedding no they would go to something else they would go do something so that's my point is not to not have the wedding my point is you're doing it for you so you need to enjoy it and it's the same way with christmas and it's the same way with thanksgiving dinner and all those kind of things we're supposed to be enjoying it amen and so we have to do what it takes in order to to enjoy it luke 19 verse 5 and when jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said unto him zacchaeus make haste zacchaeus make haste hurry and come down for today i must abide at thy house so one of the things god tells us jesus told zacchaeus is we're to hurry to keep our appointments with god so that would be our prayer appointments in the morning. Hurry. I've got to hurry. I'm going to hurry and get in there, and I'm going to pray this morning. I'm getting in there. I'm hurrying and getting in there. And, you know, a lot of times what we do is we try to hurry and get, up every, get everything else done so that we can pray. But if we would do it opposite and we would hurry and go pray, then you would find that that grace would be multiplied unto you and you would get everything else done. And that's how it always works for me. But when I put other things first and I'm trying to hurry through them, hoping I'll have some time to pray, I don't. Or even if I do, a lot of times I'm so rattled by the time I get there, I can't settle down. And, uh, but if I'll hurry and go pray and spend that time with the Lord, force myself to settle down, then I found that my days pretty much line out and I get everything done and I'm going, wow, I got a lot done today. And so uh, we need God's grace in our lives if we're going to get everything done that he wants us to get done. Isaiah 40, verse 28. What does he want us to slow down on and what does he want us to hurry about? He wants us to hurry to keep his commandments. He wants us to hurry to keep our appointments with him. And Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31 I don't know. I typed this out. I'm not sure what version I'm reading. New Living. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. 
He offers strength to the weak. Even youths, youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me read that again. Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. He doesn't get tired. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. That's what we need is his power. Hallelujah. Got any tired people in here? Well, he gives power to the tired and worn out. And he offers strength to the weak. Hallelujah. I want his power. I want his strength. Even youths, yeah, very young people, will become exhausted. I think the youth of our generation, not talking so much about Christian youth, but just go up to the university. And I bet you, you would find a lot of exhausted young men and women. Even a lot that are so exhausted to the point of giving up. Even young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen. So we have to spend, we have to settle down and do our, get before the Lord. Spend time. When it says wait on the Lord, it's not talking about, well, now just be patient. Wait on Him. He'll work it out. No, it's talking about getting in front of Him and waiting, listening, praying. That's the kind of waiting they're talking about. Those that draw aside and wait on the Lord. Renew strength. You'll find new strength, new faith, new fresh faith, new fresh anointing, new fresh um, joy. They renew their strength. And they, the, the, the King James says, they mount up with wings as eagles. They run and they are not weary. They walk and they do not faint. Hallelujah. I say that uh, about myself. Let's pray this morning and let's pray for our service. Join with me as we pray for our service for a few minutes. Father, we just come before you and we ask you to teach us to be waiting women waiting on the Lord, listening, very attentively listening. Thank you, Lord, for a renewal in our prayer time, a freshness in our prayer time, a fresh anointing to pray. Father, uh, uh, just a renewal in our knowing you that we, we just settle down and we learn to know you and we listen and we, Lord, you just impart to us and I ask you for an impartation to these women this morning a new fresh strength I ask you Father God that any areas that we're just hurrying too much and need to slow down that Lord that you just work that in our lives right now in Jesus name in Jesus name and that we learn to be very peaceful and to build our homes build our families with your strength and with your anointing and with your grace and with your mercy and not by our own hands and not by our own busyness, our own labor. And Lord, we give you the praise for that. And Lord, today, right now, we lift up this service to you. And we pray, Father God, for all the people that'll come in, that they'll be touched, that they'll be ministered to, that they'll be increased, that they'll be, Lord, if there's any discouraged, they'll be encouraged. You pray too. Pray their 
just with me, that they'll be encouraged, that they'll be strengthened. Oh, we pray, Father, for your touch. We pray for your anointing in this place, that they'll know your presence and feel your presence and your strength. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for all the ministers and the teachers that they have utterance in the Holy Ghost, that doors of utterance are opened unto them. We pray for the gifts of the Spirit to flow and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done at Word of Life Church. Touch your people, O oh God. Touch your people. Strengthen them with might by your Spirit in the inner man. Lord, give wisdom where, they, where it's needed and give, oh, Lord, rearrange and, and touch the emotions and the souls of people. Oh, straighten out the crooked places, Lord God. Make the crooked places straight. Thank you, Lord God. I bind confusion from people. I pray, Father God, that such a clarity and an understanding will come. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you're giving us increase on every side. Increase of anointing. Increase of influence. Lord, you're in, we're having... It was increased salvations, increased baptisms of the Holy Spirit, increased healings. We thank you for more and more healings at Word of Life Church in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we go out more and more in, into the outreach, oh, Father, thank you for more anointing, more strength, more labors. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. And we ask you for more in attendance and more uh, uh, abundance of finances in Jesus' name. Increase, that we're constantly increasing in Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Increased favor as we go into, our, into the highways and hedges. Increase of favor. Oh, to increased revelation, increased hearing and knowing. Oh, to Today, Lord, that we would all hear your voice and we do not harden our hearts. Oh, hallelujah. We open our hearts in this church. Oh, let's open our hearts this morning. We open our hearts to you, Lord. Lord, wash away any hardness that has come on us from the world or from choices, Lord, from hurts and disappointments. Wash away the hardness, and we just come before you trusting, vulnerable. Oh, we ask you, Lord God, to move in our midst in the name of Jesus. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh. Let the rain of the Holy Ghost fall here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for times of refreshing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. We just thank you for that, for pouring out on us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We lift up our worship team, that you are leading them in the way that they are to go, to lead us to a place of sincere worship. Worship that touches our hearts and that touches heaven. Oh, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you. All the ministry of helps, we ask you to bless them. We ask you to bless everyone that serves today. Everyone that gives today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, empower them to do the work of the ministry. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for our prayer partners that they are anointed to pray today. Anointed to impart. 
And Lord, if there's anybody that comes in today that doesn't know you, oh, Father, that the Lord, that Jesus would draw them, the Holy Ghost would draw them, draw them to Himself. Lord, I pray that the, uh, the love of God would flow here, that they would know we are Christians by our love. Love for one another in Jesus' name. Love for the, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we pray according to Colossians chapter 3 that you would knit us together in strong bonds of love. Knit us together. Let there be a knitting. And let there be unity at this church, O oh God. Let there be a unity. Let there be no division or schism among us, but let us be perfectly joined together of one mind and one heart, speaking the same thing, believing the same thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for fresh anointings released today in Jesus' name. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for all that's done. Amen, amen.